For the Louisville Cardinals to take down the Duke Blue Devils on Saturday afternoon, it's going to take a very solid performance on both sides of the football. We're going to talk about keys to victory and, unfortunately, some very rough injury news for the Cardinals in the trenches. So with that being said, let's get right on into the show. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On, the Louisville podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. Today's episode brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On College for $20 off of your first purchase. I don't know why I'm smiling, dude. I think it's because Grant's smiling. If you're watching this, obviously, you see my buddy on the right. If you're listening to this, well, it is another weekly edition of the Grant Mulligan Show on the Locked On Louisville podcast. Grant, what's going on, brother? It's good to be back. Uh, I was on vacation last man. week. I, I don't know, dude, because you, you were getting in the, in the ad read. You were, you were about to break into laughter during the ad read. Because I'm looking hilarious. at you and you're just sitting there just you laughing. Cracked it, you cracked for the for the for those who are listening, for those who are not watching. He absolutely cracked the smile first, and I could tell that he wanted to laugh. So Incorrect. that's why I was trying to Incorrect. I was trying to see if I could throw him off his ad read. Anyways, I was on vacation last week, which means the pit loss never happened to me. What loss? Exactly. They said the pit loss. I don't know what loss you're talking about. But regardless, I, I, yeah. I was on vacation. Louisville now turns their attention a little over 24 hours away from another top 25 matchup. Louisville facing um, the Duke Blue Devils, number 20 in the country. Um, we're going to talk about offensive keys to the game, defensive keys, and then unfortunately there is some injury news to talk about. Renato Brown is out for the remainder of the season. Uh, we'll talk about what that means for the Louisville offensive line and more on the final segment of the show. Um, offensively, it seems like this is where the big test is going to be for the Cardinals. Duke is a very solid defensive team. Now, granted, total defense, not much of a difference from than what we're seeing from Louisville. Uh, they give up two yards less per game than the Cardinals do through the first seven games of the year. The main thing and the main difference is scoring defense. Duke is the fifth best team in the country, just getting up 13.86 points per game. The main reason why that is, Grant, and this is a statistic that I saw that before the Florida State game, Duke had only allowed 14 red zone appearances to their opposition. That's insane. And less than half of those ended up being touchdowns. So that's where the deviation in points is coming from. Now, Florida State obviously scored four times in the red zone um, against Duke, so that has to be talked about. But when you look at this particular matchup against potentially one of, if not the best defense, will go up against this season, what's the main key to the game for the Cardinals on offense? I think you're exactly right. I don't see really any way that this isn't the best defense that we have played. It's a it's a really well-coached defense. It's a really disciplined defense. You don't catch them out of position very often. And that they, they don't really give up a lot of those free plays, those explosive plays. They've got really solid guys uh, in in every slot. I mean, they've got solid defensive back there. They're led in that front seven by Dwayne Carter, who's going to be an NFL guy. He's going to play on Sundays. But they have they have talent all over the place, but it's not so much about the talent, but it is about the coaching. It's about the discipline. So I think the key for one, getting Jawar Jordan back is going to be absolutely 
massive because if anybody's going to give us a chance to get one of those free explosive plays against Duke, it's going to be Jawar Jordan, a guy with that kind of explosive speed. Hopefully, you know, he's teased that he's healthy again per his Instagram story. So I'm, I'm hopeful that he's going to be as close to 100% as he can get. But I think the true key is going to be staying on schedule offensively. Against this defense, you cannot sputter or they will immediately turn it into a third and long, and now you're you're in fourth down territory. You have to be gaining, even if you're not gaining chunk plays, against this defense, we have to be gaining consistent yardage. We have to stay on schedule, move the sticks, and not put ourselves in a position where we're in, in third and long or um, second and, and really long. We have to be first and 10, second and four. Because Third second and long, long, you're required to run the football, correct? At <laughs> second and long, you're required to run the football. That's I, just I what I took away from the past re- couple. Never mind. I remember that from a from a previous time. But anyways, staying ahead of schedule is going to be the key to winning against this defense. Right. It's not we we aren't going to be able to get it in chunks. Most likely, like we have been against a lot of these teams. And while we still have the offensive firepower to to be able to win in those situations, we have to really put our, our focus on solid, consistent gains, staying on schedule, not letting them get us behind the sticks. And, and that, I think, will lead us to victory. I... I have like 1A, 1B. 1A is going to piggyback off of your argument. Uh, staying on schedule, I will go as far as saying limiting the self-inflicted wounds. That's um, I think that that's, I think it's sort of just uh, defining what you're saying in a different way. Um, limiting penalties. Uh, the holding penalties, like I said, once you get this uh, defense in a position where you, know, you can pin your ears back and rush the passer pretty freely, that's where you start to get a little bit of an issue. Duke is very good in the front seven they don't have a true weakness and they have pretty solid linebacking play um, throughout this portion of the season uh limiting the turnovers as well we saw it in that pittsburgh game the first time all season that louisville couldn't overcome their issues with ball security and some of those were um you know self-inflicted jack Plummer holding on to the football too long others were you know wide receivers dropping passes and it literally going right into the defensive back's arms. So you have to take care of the football. You have to make sure that you limit the penalties, limit the self-inflicted wounds. Um, That can also go towards, you know, limiting the overthrows, um, creating holes at the line of scrimmage. It's going to take a very good offensive performance. I'm not saying that this is like a 2009 Alabama defense to where, you know, if you get three first downs, it's a moral victory, but this is no slouch of a defensive unit. Secondly, for me, as we mentioned it a little earlier in this segment, it's the red zone opportunities. I think Wolves going to get into the red zone. Right. But even though Duke doesn't allow that often, when you do get into the red zone, most often you don't score. Duke is second in the country in red zone defense at 611% or 61% but guess what Louisville's top five in red zone defense 64 percent so we've seen how good Louisville is in the red zone that's sort of how Duke is as well so I think that it's capitalizing it's turning good field position into scoring touchdowns I think that um you're going up against an offense that you don't necessarily know what you're going to see 
Um, this Duke defense has held four opponents to seven points or less. Um, and they were very close to winning against Notre Dame. Florida State's the first team that you can look at and say, hey, look, 38 points. Grant, uh, before we get into the second segment really quickly, we saw Duke give up the season high in terms of points last week. Now, granted, that um, is a Florida State team with very good receivers, but is there anything you can kind of take away from that Florida State performance and kind of apply it to say, hey, look, Louisville needs to follow this game plan? I think receiver plan or receiver play is absolutely one way to, to look at it because while they do have a talented secondary, they clearly showed some exploitability in that regard. One thing that I think works in Florida state's favor that maybe doesn't necessarily work in our favor as well as size, but that brings me into maybe a Chris bell type argument because they struggled. Duke struggled mightily against the, 6'7", Johnny Wilson, and the 6'4", Keon Coleman. We have our own big guy. Now, granted, he's not to those same guys' level yet, hopefully, long-term. But having a guy like that, if we see the formula, if we can take advantage of that, if we can get Chris Bell some opportunities, then I think we can hopefully follow that that Florida State formula at least to some degree. But it's going to be getting our guys into mismatches, you know, giving, putting them in opportunities to make plays. Receiver play is going to be huge here. Obviously, we know Jamari Thrash is one of the best in the ACC, um, but I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Chris Bell get some real opportunities here. We discussed Chris Bell as being a player that I think we're not done seeing uh, really help out Louisville down the road, and I think we're just now scratching the surface or he's just now scratching the surface of how good he can be here with the Cardinals. Um. The main storyline for the week seemingly is the availability of quarterback Riley Leonard for Duke. Uh, we're going to talk about what the Cardinals need to do uh, on defense to make sure that they come out victorious. We'll do that here momentarily. After we talk about um, our friends over at Athletic Brewing Company, I think the game changer this week is limiting the self-inflicted wounds. The game changer in the non-alcoholic brewing game is Athletic Brewing. Um Fantastic non-alcoholic beer that has over 50 crafts, IPAs, golden, sours. My favorite is the Oktoberfest, and it's fit for all times, whether you're working out, tackling a work project, at a sporting event, whatever may have you. There's no hangover feeling as well, so there's a ton of benefit to it. Go to athleticbrewing.com, enter the code Locked On to get 15% off your first online order, or find a store near you. Athletic Brewing Company, it's available in Milford, Connecticut, San Diego, California, or online. So be sure to um, take advantage of the online opportunity and go to athleticbrewing.com. Also, I want to take this time to tell you about our friends and the title sponsor of the show, Game Time. Um, essentially, you know, getting tickets to sporting events can be sort of a hassle, especially if you're trying to get last minute tickets, but look no further. Game time's got you covered. It takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. They have last minute tickets that, uh, have a lowest price guarantee. So essentially what that means is you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less game time will credit 110% of the difference all in prices show your total up front so you know you're getting a great deal without hitting fees take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time game time download the game time app create an account use the code locked on college for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code locked on college 
for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, heading into the second segment of this uh, preview episode of the uh, Locked On Global podcast, the Grant Mulligan episode, I should say. Um, he's back on for his weekly appearance, State of Louisville uh, football analyst. Grant, we just talked about the offense keys of the game. Defensively, a little bit more interesting. Um, Duke likes to pride themselves in running the football, but there's a lot of uncertainty right now. Quarterback Riley Leonard re-aggravated an ankle injury against Florida State, did not go back into that game. Look, Mike Elko says he's day-to-day. I would probably bet money that we're going to see him on Saturday. How healthy is he going to be? Probably not 100%. That works to Louisville's benefit, you know, with Leonard maybe not necessarily being able to get out and be mobile. Um, but regardless, I think that Duke is going to try to do one thing. That's why the key to the game for me is shutting down the run. Duke is a very good team at running the football. Jordan Waters has nine rushing touchdowns this season, but Louisville top 25 in rushing defense, giving up just under a hundred yards per game on the ground. How critical is it that the Cardinals force Duke to be uncomfortable and make a um, not fully healthy Riley Leonard or Henry Beal in the fourth throw the football more than they're comfortable with? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. That was one of my keys coming in as well is is stopping the run. And anyone playing this Duke team needs to be wary of that. I think with Riley Leonard not being fully healthy coming into this game, really, especially with it being a lower body injury, is really going to limit his rushing ability. And that is truly a hallmark of his game and a hallmark of this offense because it's not just his passing ability that makes him so stellar. But this offense has been able to get three guys really involved in their rushing attack. You know, two really talented backs as well as Leonard himself. It's a true three-headed backfield back there. And right. having one, not to say that Leonard is going to be a statue or that he doesn't have some ability, but taking that away at least to some degree really limits them offensively for what they like to do. Because a lot of that, that Leonard always has that risk of run keeps the defense honest uh, in, in pass play as well. And it creates opportunities for the other backs when the quarterback is a legitimate threat to on an option read to pull it and run it himself. So being able to pin your ears back more and not have as high of an expectation that Leonard is going to look to run first, that is going to be huge for us to take advantage of that opportunity if he has to stand in the pocket, we need to make him uncomfortable. We need to move him off his spot. We need to be getting pressure in the passing game, make him uncomfortable, and and get him in, in third and long situations in which they have to pass, in which they can't rely on that dynamic running game to get them out of spots. So just as it's extremely important for us on offense, like the point I made, staying ahead of schedule, I think getting them behind schedule and forcing them into third and long situations where they can't take advantage of that really stellar run game is going to be paramount into into keeping it or to keeping them contained as much as possible. I truly think that this game is going to be a defensive battle. Um, I think most people are expecting it to go the same way, but we have to we have to limit that run game and, and keep Riley Leonard in the pocket as much as we can. Defense keeps them in games. We've seen that. But do you get the sense that we're overrating Riley Leonard just a little bit? Because you look – I mean, granted, he's very good. I've said it once and I'll say it again. Riley Leonard is a very, very good quarterback. 
But this season, the numbers just don't back that up. I mean, you look at what they've done offensively. Uh, when they play Power 5 teams outside of Northwestern and Clemson, um, or really outside of Northwestern, they haven't scored over 30 points against any of the Power 5 teams that they played. Now, defensively, they're able to sort of keep themselves in games by not playing the best offensively, but Riley Leonard has under 1,000 yards passing. He only has three passing touchdowns, and um, he has two interceptions as well to go along with 339 uh, rushing yards. I'm sorry, yeah, 339 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns. I understand he's a dual-threat quarterback, but are we overrating Riley Leonard in some sense, or do you feel like the the perception of Leonard is right on par? Honestly, I feel like the perception of Leonard is fair. I don't want to go into the game underrating him or his passing ability because watching the games, I'm I'm very confident that if he had a more talented group of receivers or passing threats around him, or if the offense was more passing centric, we would see that side Agreed. of Riley Leonard. Definitely. I think the the capability is absolutely there. And I don't think it's Riley Leonard to be the one to underrate in terms of that passing game success. I think if anything, he's been the one elevating it. I just don't really think that the way the offense is structured and the weapons you have outside really are conducive to a super successful passing attack. I, I think Leonard's a, a good I've quarterback. Seen a he's lot doing. of people. There's been many people on Twitter. Well, actually, not many, but a couple enough to catch my attention that have just been stat watching with Leonard. And I'm and I'm sitting there and I'm like, that's weird because I've watched Duke a couple times this year. Not once have I ever thought, oh, this Leonard guy is not as good as I think. Honestly, he doesn't get enough credit in some situations because he's one tough dude, man. He is. Uh, He's also only been sacked three times. Both a credit to his offensive line play and, and to his, his elusiveness. That's that kind of goes into where you said you have to take advantage of that ankle injury. You know, not in a bad way, but you have to take advantage of the lack of mobility, right, for Leonard Absolutely. and force to keep him um, inside the hash marks and not let him get out and run. Because I mean, if he can play, he's going to play. I don't think this is going to be a situation to where anybody else starts but him. Um, so we will see how that. Uh, translates to his play on the field. But nonetheless, I think the main thing for Louisville, it's a trickle-down effect. Defending the run is going to be very key here. Um, kind of flipping over to the other side of the ball, one thing that Louisville is going to have to do is do their best to deter that solid Duke front seven. They're going to have to do that without one of their um, – uh, consistent pieces on the offensive line. Renato Brown, it was announced uh, this week from Jeff Brom that he will miss the remainder of the season. Big loss for Louisville. We'll talk about who needs to step up, what this means for the line, and more here momentarily after we talk about our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's literally just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. It's the most I've had in quite some time. I've won, I think, up to 10 times my money this football season by playing prize picks. 
It's absolutely incredible. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use the code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Once again, prizepicks.com slash locked on college with the code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. So be sure to take advantage. Final segment of the show of this Grant Mulligan episode of the Locked On Louisville podcast. You like you like when I say that. I'll, I think I'll it's funny. Start titling them the Grant Mulligan episode. That's funny. You're funny, man. It's gonna be the. I don't know, man. You're the one laughing at the beginning of. I am laughing because you you. <laughs> it's just, I don't I'm know, man. You, That's funny. We need to do a film review on who cracked the smile first, and I we do. I'm almost positive <laughs> with you. The betting odds. I literally looked uh, on FanDuel. And the betting odds are Grant Mulligan minus three twenty on who's hell of a live read right there, brother. Oh, impressive! That's a seasoned veteran podcast host. What can right I say, man? To make that Locked kind of a live your read, team five days a week, your team Amazing. every day. Amazing. There you go, man. We're just dropping promo after promo. But let's get back to the meat and potatoes, Grant. Um, some unfortunate news, right? Um, Renato Brown. It was announced from Jeff Brom in his weekly press conference, um, updated the status on Jawar Jordan and Jarvis Brownlee being day-to-day, but he also um, shedded light on Renato Brown's injury, um, had a pregame um, injury in warm-ups, had to have knee surgery. He's going to miss the remainder of the season. A player that started all the games last year, all the games this year as well, has been very, very solid for the Cardinals on the right side of the offensive line. Number one, just how big of a loss is this for the offensive line unit? Number two, who are some guys that you feel are now going to be relied upon to step up? The guy who we've seen, we've seen step up so far has been Austin Collins, and truly that was a surprise to me. I saw Austin Collins as the number two center, and I thought maybe a guy like John Paul Flores would be someone we would see step up in this situation, but he has played admirably. And I love seeing that from a local guy being able to step in and, and fill this void. And he, he has kept the level of play rather consistent. I think a guy who's been in the program for this amount of time, um, finally getting his opportunity to, to get out there. And so far against some pretty good opponents, he's played some good football. So it's, it's going to be on everybody because cohesiveness on the offensive line is a huge component to offensive line play. Anytime you lose a starter, there's an adjustment um, for everybody around him. So I think Austin Collins has absolutely deserved the the chance to start in his place. He's played really well at right guard and the opportunities he's had the chance to do so. So uh, I look for Austin Collins to be next man up. And and uh, I'm sorry for Renato. I hope his, his surgery goes well. I hope that he has a, a quick road to recovery. He's been a, a, a tough lineman we've had for a long time he's held it down as a starter for a long time so i i hope he has a quick and easy road to recovery and and he will be missed but austin collins has has earned this opportunity i also feel like you know i putting the injury aside the silver lining of dealing with any injury and we had to discuss this with mj griffin's injury season ending now renato brown's unfortunately was that Jeff Brom and company did a phenomenal job in the portal this past spring in making sure that this team had depth, especially for the offensive line, because I remember you and I talking before the scrimmage 
and we watched the scrimmage, and we're like, man, that offensive line play is just – it's not necessarily making me feel too, you know, encouraged. Jeff Brom then got out and got like five offensive linemen in two weeks. So I think that is, this depth is really going to be put to the test, but shout out to Brom and company for going out and really, really doing a great job of portaling, which we've talked about over and over, but it's times like this where that is really put under the microscope. You're right. And like you said, in, in a previous episode, when we broke down the offensive line, I, you and I had both discussed how deep this offensive line had suddenly become. I mean, we've got reliable guys at, at multiple levels uh, at, at every spot across the line. Again, I was surprised to see Austin Collins be the, the next man up to hear his number called, but I, I'm really, really happy for the local guy. It goes to show you with how much talent's in that room, how far, how many strides Austin has taken. So really, really happy for that guy. But great on Jeff Brom for, for creating such a deep offensive line room where we can sustain an injury like this and it's not going to be just doomsday for our offense for a little while. We're not going to have a glaring hole in the spot where defenses can point to and take advantage of. So excellent roster building and also a huge nod to the offensive line coach. Grant, before we get out of here, score prediction. Let's hear it. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a defensive battle. I think we're going to go 20 to 13. That's Global very victory. fair. I'm going Louisville 24. Duke 21. I think that the close, spread close. the spread you're playing with fire, man. That four point spread, man. I I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it either. Um, granted, I will say that when I do bet the spread for Louisville, it never works out in the Cardinals' favor. So to the Louisville fans listening, have no fear. I'm not touching this spread. Um, but I thought you were yeah. about to turn that into another live read. I thought when I do bet the spread for Louisville, I bet exclusively through FanDuel. I thought for I sure you were about to go into a second live read. Dude, FanDuel is not even a, a read right now, and I'm just sitting there just, man, dropping dimes. Dropping dimes. Call me Chris Paul out here. Oh, but um, <laughs> I can't now. You get me so oh, off man. track. So I think 24-21, defensive battle, sure. I do think that, um, you know, this is a bounce-back week for Louisville's offense um, in, in some respect. 24 points doesn't seem like a bounce-back, but it is against a, a team like Duke. So I think it's going to be um, a very, very just overall rough performance between the hedges for both teams. Um, it's going to be a matter of, number one, I think you need to circle the turnover battle. That could be a big key in this game, um, protecting the quarterback. Who has the least amount of penalties? Who has the less? Who has the least amount of self-inflicted wounds? That's the thing I'm looking for for me. So 24-21 for me, but both of us have predicted a Cardinals victory. Hopefully, when we talk about this game on next week's show, it is coming to fruition. But that's going to wrap up today's episode of the Locked On Louisville Grant Mulligan episode of the Locked On Louisville podcast. Um, everyone have a great day. We will see you right back here. Coming soon. Go Cards.